Welcome, everyone, and thank you for tuning in to the Bullish Entrepreneur Podcast. This is episode four. Thank you so much to all our people listening, our bullish entrepreneurs who are taking the time out to hear us out, give us feedback, help us make a better podcast for you all. And to all our listeners, be sure to check out the Bullish Entrepreneur YouTube channel for all our latest content. Don't forget, guys, we're switching things up a little bit, right? Yeah. We're tuning in with Brad from Brad Dog Media. He mm. has his own podcast and we met him through Instagram. Yeah. So he's halfway across the country. We'll be doing this as an audio version only. Yeah. Right? With professional microphones so you still get the highest quality content. And we're going to have it crisp sounding on YouTube as well. Mm. And you can also access it on Apple Podcasts through your iPhone or on Spotify, on any Android or other device that is capable of downloading, yeah. right? A smartphone that's capable of downloading Spotify. In order to get this through, we want to start off with a couple things that we're going to be talking about today. And one of the main things that a lot of entrepreneurs struggle with, or people in general who have a nine to six job, nine to five, that want to make a little bit of extra money, but you know they don't essentially want to build their own business. Mm -hmm. It's just about making a couple hundred bucks so you can go on that extra vacation, or start up that new venture, whether it be a podcast, whether it be, you know, opening up a, a business out of your the garage of your yeah. house, anything, you know, you need the funds for something to get it moving. And essentially, that's what we're talking about today. And Brad actually highlights that perfectly. He's somebody yeah. who works a full time job, 40 hours. He's married. It's the, the perfect example of somebody who is still out there building these side hustles but living the full-time life yeah. that people seem to make a lot of excuses for. It's crazy because I was surprised he had all these extra responsibilities, man. Yeah. Like, I didn't even, I don't know, for some reason it, it, it didn't come across that way, but wow, I was surprised. But when he, when he showed us, he let us know straight up. And he was just like, man, hey, regardless, you still got to get going. And I mm -hmm. think that's what's, that was one of the main key topics in this podcast where I feel like a lot of you are going to be able to relate to and also just enjoy because you'll see that there's alternatives still. And, you know, we're not making excuses here. We're really trying to do what we set our minds out to do and what we set the goals out for or and what goals we set out for ourselves. So this is going to be great. I know you guys are going to enjoy I know we have, so. <laughs> yes, it was an awesome, like, it, th that's probably one of the best experiences, yeah. right? And knowing how to start is one of the toughest things that, you know, mm -hmm. people struggle with. Mm -hmm. It's about getting that first step, right? Getting your feet wet is always the toughest part. So we want to show how the average people can do it. And, you know, Abdul and I started up this podcast not yeah. really having any experience, if at all, being in front of a camera and talking about the different things that we go through. But in the essence of trying to journal and show your, our experiences to the world, mm -hmm. we found that this is the best way and the most raw way to show the world how to do it. Yeah. And it's by journaling your experiences from the beginning. Not yeah. once you've already built that company and made it. No, from the ground up, bro. Like yes. you got to let them know exactly what it took, the scars you, you, you've bared and, and basically the moments where you felt like you just wanted to quit. And you wouldn't yeah. give up. Like those are the those are the heart wrenching moments. Yeah. Those are the heart wrenching moments. Most people tend to not talk about a lot or don't want to make themselves vulnerable um in that way in which they want to be seen. They want to be seen as this ironclad person who's made it and that's it. No, nah, there's a beginning, a middle, and an end to everything. So you guys are gonna love this. I know you will, and uh, I appreciate you guys from the bottom of my heart. We both do. Yes, for tuning 100%. in and, and engaging with us on this journey. It's really something that we take pride in, um, and we love the following and we love the audience that we thought yes. we never would have. So <laughs> it's really great, man. Thank and, you so and, much. And it all starts with listening to yourself. Yeah, right. Giving yourself that voice and not worrying about judgment. Yeah. So 
This podcast is packed with a lot of valuable information and you guys are going to absolutely love it. We won't waste any more of your time. Keep watching. Stay tuned. So yeah, man, um, you know, I, I know we only got to talk a, a few times before and it's mainly just through voice notes or messaging. So it, it, it's kind of interesting that, you know, normally I, we would have done like that interview before so we get to know each other. But I felt like obviously with the time constraints and everything, it fits perfectly into what we're going to work out with the podcast you're married yeah, man. and that's something that people <laughs> use as an excuse you know the relationship you know you can incorporate it into your life and clearly you're doing it well you know i personally i worked at in retail for eight years and i had those 40 hour work weeks where it felt t- more tiring than it was because i didn't enjoy doing what i was doing now I'm, I'm working 12 to 16 hour days like nothing sometimes i'm up for 20 hours before i get some sleep and i'm starting to realize that it's really the passion that you have behind it is going to find you're going to find that energy in you. I mean, I'm cramming in time left and right just wherever I can to try to get it done. Yeah. So one of the trickier parts is just the time issue. To be honest, I think I've figured out really a way that I've been able to get a lot of work done on the side without really interfering interfering with like my personal life or anything like some of that time has to go to my wife and family but what i figured out and i'm actually going to do a podcast about this separate i think like you guys voted on um instagram about the topic next week about finding extra time outside of like the nine to five but for me if i'm able to get work done four to six a.m four to six p.m roughly you know four hours a day, five days a week. And then I have tons of time on the weekend, getting to 30 hours actually isn't that hard. I think a lot of people just see like the 40 hour work week is such an issue. You know, I work a full time job, there's nothing outside of that. But how much time are you spending on Netflix and playing video games? You know, so I cut a lot of that out. And I've just been making it work. That's awesome, man. Yeah, me and Bunner was having a talk. I think it was yesterday, right? Um, about drive. It was, yeah. And trying to figure out, you know, what you can use as like an incentive to give you that push to keep going. And like we were like basically helping his uncle out with some uh, with some lumber. And I've been editing these past. Not some lumber. It was about two hundred pieces okay. of lumber. <laughs> it was quite a bit of lumber. It was it was worth uh, three pergolas worth of lumber. Yeah. So it was put it like this. It was a long day, and you know we've been editing and stuff like that. And I, on the way back, I was just saying to myself, man, I got to figure out how I can muster up some energy, you know, to mm-hmm. really get back to editing because I'm like super drained right now. And Baldar like kind of just hit me. He was just like, man, like you know. What's your, is it, are you going to treat it like a, a nuisance or something that that's annoying to you? Or are you going to figure out how to make it something that's positive and look at it in a different way and not put any negative connotation towards it and basically help it fuel your drive to want to get things done? And, you know, that's that actually was an enlightening, enlightening moment for me because it was just like, wow, yeah, I didn't think about it that way. And I probably didn't even think about coming off the way I did. That's you know, <laughs> simply because I was just tired. It was just like a, a, a gut reaction. But in order to get things done, we got to have some sort of incentive that gives us that push to want to keep going towards, you know, completing our goals and stuff like that. And, and also the accountability piece, yes. because like even though we're partners in this and we're doing it like we hold each other accountable every single day. So like, you know, certain times where I'll, I'll notice he says something that he doesn't think of negative. It's just like he said, he's like he, he was just tired. 
Like we just lifted a bunch of lumber. He goes, damn, now I got to go home and, <laughs> you know, get this editing done. If you let yourself feel that way and kind of dive into that um, notion that, hey, you know, I'm going home. Now it's time to relax. And mm -hmm. opposed to I'm going home. Now it's time to work. Yeah. So it, it, it's a whole mindset shift that, you know, even though we're, we're trying to be positive every day and trying to build not only content, but have this content um, be practiced in our own lives and just work on it every day to be better ourselves and, and become an example for people, not just by telling people, you know, how they could better their lives, but showing that, hey, we also go through the same trials and tribulations. And a lot of it is holding each other accountable, calling them like, yo, are you awake? Because, you know, we'll start trading in the morning and Abdul's just learning to trade. Yeah. I call him and be like, hey, you know, are you ready to go on the call? He's like, yeah, I'll be there in like 15 minutes. We'll get on a Zoom call and just take off from there. But, um, you know, something that we're, that's that we're going to get to that part in the second half. I feel like, you know, when you and I spoke, we spoke about what you do with Amazon. And of course, you know, being that we're going to bring that back to managing your relationship with your marriage and having a full time job because you work 40 hours, right? Yeah. 40 hours. What was what was your work ethic like as a kid? Like who was Brad as a kid? Did you always have that mentality that you wanted to, you know, create something bigger than yourself or you just kind of went at it, you know, at trying to make money from different angles? What was your initial intention? Yeah, so there were probably a few signs early on that would be kind of a telltale sign that I would want to try to do something bigger down the road. So me as a kid, for one, I was super competitive in sports. That was a huge thing. I mean, that was why I lived and breathed, really. So, yeah, I played competitive baseball. I would, I mean, we'd play like 15 tournaments a year, play like, you know, like 70 games a year, like in elementary, middle school. And I loved it. And um, yeah, I mean, between like late elementary school through high school, that was every summer, like, you know, between April to late fall. Yeah, every year was baseball. So, super competitive naturally so that's that's one big thing something interesting that's come up recently that i didn't even think about would be like a sign of anything but so gary v's all of a sudden getting into baseball cards well not all of a sudden he so he used to always do that as a kid in elementary school i would collect baseball cards and like not even based on like what i thought was cool and wasn't i was so into the value and like seeing like oh which player is going to be good in 10 years like seeing the type of investment i could make in baseball cards and like i still have tons of them i probably have like thousands of dollars worth of cards i'm sitting on i didn't even think of that at the time but yeah i'm always trying to invest in myself and in the future and super competitive so 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 you know what's crazy about that and you know we also played competitive sports growing mm -hmm. up being in miami foot like it's not really a sport you can pick my main sport that i chose was baseball and he chose football mm -hmm. i jumped to football and then from football we went over to it was basketball basketball and, and soccer, and then soccer. <laughs> we also i wrestled trying to find that competitive like that next level right and and it's crazy that it's something that we also talk about a lot the fact that someone a kid is an athlete and you, you start kids young working with teams, right? Because the first thing you do when you join a sport, you're working with a team. So aside from the teamwork, you're also learning how to be coached. And I think that's something big in terms of knowing how to receive feedback. Because I remember a lot of managers when I first went, you know, I got my first job. A lot of them were kind of scared to tell me things or they'll say it and kind of like, oh, you know, I don't mean it like that or in this way or anything. Like trying to basically justify the way they were delivering their message to me and i'm like hey listen you know i, I come from a 
a family that my dad has owned the business for 20 years. He says, hey, go get this done because the business needs to run. You've got to get it done. Yeah. So I'm like, be straight, you know, be a straight shot with me. Tell me what I need to get done and, and I'll, I'll do it to the best of my ability. So I, I think that and, and seeing a lot of the athletes that grow into being entrepreneurs, it's really transcending that drive that they have from competitive sports into life. And saying, you know, you have to have short-term memory after a failure, right? Did you play infield by any chance? So I was a pitcher and a catcher. So I mean, I live pitch to pitch, you know. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, you could throw a curveball over a guy's head. You better get your mind right for the next pitch, you know. So that's definitely really true. So that plays a big part with failures, right? Because people, as they're trying to get something done, they go through a failure. And I feel like if you didn't have that coach that as a kid, I still remember my coach saying, hey, you know, pat on the head mm -hmm. and short-term memory, get back out there and make a play, yeah. right? And, and that's something that you obviously relate to. I didn't play as competitive as you did. I played in high school, but I, I always wish that I could have been on those travel teams because I saw, I, I'm for one, I saw them on TV and I saw how competitive these kids were in comparison to what I had. So that's actually something that you can say, you know, joining sports and, and being involved with teams and learning how to be coachable as a kid really helped you move forward and transcend that into your future. Yeah, man. So that's a good point about handling criticism that I actually kind of forgot about. So I had some crazy coaches growing up. I mean, they'd be cussing out elementary school kids. And so you get into the real world and a lot of coworkers you have, you know, they take things really personal when somebody points out something. I'm like, this is nothing. I was getting cussed out in fifth grade for not fielding a ground ball, you know? So, um, yeah, it's funny you mentioned that. No, and, and see that that's something that, you know, as a kid, you, that's where it comes in with the sensitivity, right? Where they're saying that like, kids nowadays are being raised sensitive or, you know, they, they get offended by everything. And I feel like that may be true to an extent only because maybe technology has taught kids or parents to let kids be a little more independent. So let's say they, they kind of avoid conflict or it facilitates the kid being home and not having to go out and learn in the real world, right? Or a kid is just so involved into a video game that he doesn't want to go out and play sports. Yeah. When we were kids, we had video games, but we're like, all right, time to go play outside. Yeah, there's like or time like, periods and like increments that we time use. for everything, right? <laughs> yeah, it was just it was small segments, basically. Mm -hmm. Like one minute you'll be playing and the next minute you just be like, all right, I think I want to get outside now. But nowadays I can see what you mean as far as like being like in their own homes, having everything at their fingertips. The convenience. The convenience factor makes you real hermity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, man. So talk to us. When did you get started with Amazon? How did that go about? So that's actually a really recent thing. And the, so the past few years for me have been like such an experimental time as far as like what I want to get into. So in college, taking it back. Um, so I graduated a few years ago in college. I mean, I wanted to try everything. So I had like six internships on in my last two years of college, wow. just trying to get a feel for different um, industries and things like that. And and so I'm a marketing guy. I just wanted to get a taste of everything. So from then and like early on after graduating, I would take some occasional like social media marketing clients and things like that. Mm. Yeah. So earlier this year, I had actually taken a little bit of break of, of a break from the side things just because I don't know, I really was trying to figure out how to create something that I could own myself. Like 
a lot of times with just having social media clients, it felt like I was giving myself 10 more bosses, you know, and uh, maybe they weren't the best situations. And that was part of the problem. But uh, with Amazon, after I heard about that, that would be a situation where I would really completely be working for myself, I wanted to get into e commerce and get a feel for that world. And that's really just a good stepping stone for all of that. Yeah. And I'm not making like a killing off of it or anything. But just putting in like five to 10 hours a week, sourcing different items, like I'm primarily with books, mm. you know, this past month, I've been so focused on the podcast and the personal brand. I haven't really done anything with Amazon. You know, I was I have several hundred dollars coming in, not doing anything wow. earlier this year, which is pretty cool. And, um, you know, it helps fund some of these different ventures I'm going on. So, I mean, I definitely recommend it for anybody trying to figure out some type of side hustle or what it's like working for yourself. And um, it's a really good stepping stone at minimum. I mean, there are people out there making a killing if you really want to get into it. Well, well, see, that's that's the thing that, we wanted to focus more on not the people who are out there and have already replaced their career with, you know, that side hustle. But since we're in the first stepping stones and showing everybody how to get started, this is like the perfect moment to do this interview because yep. you fit the criteria perfectly and, and not to, to throw labels, but the majority of the country. And I don't want to say the world because I don't know how the rest of the world is, but I know the majority of the country, you know, strives for that American dream. Yep. And a lot of people think that that has to do with having to, you know, make a million bucks or start up a company and make that company very successful, have a certain amount of employees. You know, some people may have six employees and they don't think they're successful until they have 10. When in reality it has nothing to do with how many employees you have. It's more of an ego thing. Mm -hmm. um, it has nothing to do with how much money you've made, how much money your company has made. It's great that it's profitable, but it's how you got there because that's the only way that other people are going to learn how to follow that same path. Otherwise, it's just kind of like, hey, you know, I built up this company and this is what I did with it and this is how much money I'm making and you got to be in the hustle every day. People are like, okay, that's that's great. That's awesome. You know, but how can we do the same thing that you're doing? And I feel like what you just said hit the nail on the head because you're talking about, you know, hey, I haven't even touched it in the past couple of months, but I've been able to use that money that I make from there, which you still have a couple hundred bucks rolling in and that's sometimes all people need, yeah. you know, that people don't want an extra $20,000 a month, an extra 10. I mean, maybe they do. Right. But essentially, if they're going to keep their job and they want to come up with a, a source of passive income where that money is just coming in, an extra $200 a month can really be beneficial to families for groceries, for, you know, gas, doing other ventures and, and kind of being able to say, hey, you know what? I can call out today and work on my side hustle. And just because I have this extra 200, 300 bucks, 500 bucks a month and or I can go, I can take this vacation that I couldn't afford to do before. But now I have that extra cushion and I feel like that's what the majority of people, not everybody wants to be entrepreneurs, but they can have that bit of entrepreneur in them where if you can make that, if you can show someone and demonstrate how you can make an extra couple hundred bucks a month, that's more relatable and something that people would rather watch than say, hey, here's how I built my multi-million dollar company because Essentially, people don't want that same dream. Some people don't want to run their own company. Yeah, it's true. And there's so many similarities between our podcasts, I feel like. Yes. <laughs> and that was the thing. So to take it back a little bit, I never thought I'd make a podcast this early because honestly, at least like to my standards, I don't feel like I've done anything. Like who am I to start like giving advice? But it's more about 
<laughs> you guys probably relate. We're we're right we're right on the same page as you. Literally the same page, bro. So for me, it's more like, okay, how cool would it be if I start documenting the beginning, you know? And why not include other people who are in the early stages too, like you two? And I bring other people on the show who um are in similar stages as well. But yeah, to your point, yeah, people I feel like just don't want to do the work. If you want a few hundred more dollars a month, it's sitting on people's driveways every Friday and Saturday. If you just put, you know, five hours of effort a week, you know, say you have a spare 20, 30 bucks, you can get hundreds of dollars worth of items from garage sales and flip them online. It's crazy. But I don't know very many people personally that do it. I've been out and, you know, finding them online, but I don't know anybody personally besides me that goes out and does it. And, and see, that's interesting because now you're stepping out of everything else that you do. And it's more of where are the opportunities for me to make money and opposed to the standard, you know, everybody's always trying to wait for that one home run, that one thing that's going to take them there, right? Like that one contract, that one job, that one side hustle that's going to make it for them so they don't have to work in other things and opposed to building that drive because people watch motivational videos, they go on, on our pages, they listen to our podcast and maybe they're motivated for the moment, right? But what is it that keeps them going? Mm -hmm. And it's that drive. And I feel like a lot of times people need to understand that you can build that drive within you by just going out and telling yourself, hey, I'm going to try to, you know, if I want, if money is what I want, I'm going to go and seek every opportunity that there is in my area to make money. And if they don't do that, they just don't want it bad enough. So it's like, why complain about it if you don't want it bad enough? And, you know, here you have somebody who's working 40 hours, great job, making good money. And you're also making passive income, yet you're going out to make that extra buck because it helps you advance even further and, and faster than usual. It's a, it's a mindset thing, definitely, in the sense of, you know, because we live in this convenience era. Mm -hmm. So it's like it traps you in. It's almost like a spider web. Once you're in the middle, it's hard for you to get towards the edges. And it's just it, it's it succumbs you in a way in which you're like, all right, I have all these things at my leisure, but in the same sense, I don't know how to use it. But considering mm -hmm. the fact that I have them all at my fingertips, something will eventually come along. And that's <laughs> something that 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 type of mentality is what keeps yeah. people in their same, you know, like routine of not setting out to do what they want to do mm -hmm. and rather would just you know basically subjugate themselves to whatever is at their leisure whatever is most convenient and you know when you have that mindset to say you know let me think outside the box a little bit unorthodox and try to you know figure out an opportunity because they're they are out there <laughs> there's other people that are going out you know working harder than us here now because mm -hmm. they just they understand how it what it takes mm -hmm. so it's I think I think that's part of it as far as, you know, why people are stuck and can't figure out a route. Sometimes, you know, they need guidance, they need a mentor, but a lot of times it's just them <laughs> being comfortable, too comfortable in a sense. And, and I feel like by them hearing us, and, and it's crazy you said our podcasts are similar, I feel like they have the same mission almost, right? Mm -hmm. we, we started for the same reason, which was, hey, you know what, instead of making it and then making a podcast, why don't we document the along grind. the way yeah. document the grind, the grind every single day not just you know making videos of hey you know i've i've already made it mm -hmm. so here it is because it's harder it's harder like if you hear like say i listen to ed my a lot yeah. and it's something i got abdul on too he connects so well with his audience nonetheless like but it takes some time so 
people have to kind of break that ego and barrier, mental barrier to watch him to begin with, because they can automatically just get intimidated by seeing the jet, you know, on the intro, the mansion drone shot that he has. And not hear the person. And not hear the person mm-hmm. before, you know, they're already intimidated by what they see mm-hmm. and opposed to giving it a shot. And it, that's what held me back. I watched one of his podcasts and then I stopped and I didn't watch him again for like four or five months. And now I, I'm waiting. I'm like refreshing. When's the new <laughs> podcast coming out? Because it took time to get the, get to know the person. And he did an interview recently with somebody named Jenna Kutcher. And, you know, she told him that the, the main thing that she realizes when she met him, that he was nothing like his brand. And right, right in front of him in his podcast and that level of vulnerability you're not going to get from the majority of people. Yeah. And for him to even allow that on his podcast shows you that he's willing to go out of his way. And that kind of sets the example for us by saying, hey, if we can do the same thing, but actually document our journey along the way and show people how vulnerable you have to be in the beginning, it already takes away the intimidation factor because they know that you have not made it yet. Like we're, we're nobodies, man. And in the grand scheme of things, if you want to talk about money, like people in Miami, like money flows in the streets and you'll see your neighbor with a Porsche 18 year old in a Maserati at, you know, going to college and you're driving around in your little Honda yeah. trying to make it. To make it. <laughs> you're like, I hope one day I get to drive that. And this kid's five years younger than you driving a Maserati already. But it, it's the message. Right. And, and the journey. So until we understand the message of earning what you want to get it. Obviously, I personally, I don't want an exotic car. Yeah. I have an F-250, a Ford F-250. I just want to hook it up and make, make it look bad, sound nice. And, and that's about it. So I, everybody's goals are different and Instagram, I feel like focuses a lot on the clout and, and making things that are going to show people and it has less of the vulnerability piece, which Gary Vee, Ed Milet, you know, people like that are, are showing people that, hey, it's cool to be vulnerable in a sense, right? It's okay to talk about your journey and, and how, how you're failing, how much you fail, right? And in reality, you celebrate your failures because you learn from them. They're an yeah. experience. It's not a failure. It's only a failure if you quit. Yeah, for sure. So there are a few points you hit that I definitely want to touch on. So yes, please. So your point to like why people feel intimidated by listening to like Ed Milad or any of the big guys. So there is some intimidation there. And I think the problem is going back to one of your other points, people are always looking for like, this big leap. But in reality, they need to be looking for stepping stones. So like, I'm not going to make a fortune from garage sales, but I can start to build up some different things on the side to get me to the point where now yeah, so I have a little bit of passive income. Well, I have bigger goals in business and marketing. So you know, that can help fuel that, you know, creating the podcast can help build a network you know, doing that, all these little stepping stones, you're not going to make this big leap all at once. So if you're just sitting around doing nothing, you're, it's just never going to happen. Just don't expect it to happen at all. You have to take some steps first before you ever hit anything big. The lottery guys. <laughs> the lottery, yeah. So the lottery people who just go to the lottery and yeah. just play, hoping to make it big. And hoping it's like, it big why don't shot. you spend that money and go, you know, just go on Robinhood, buy penny stocks. Like, hey, you can just go and buy penny stocks. And that's something that we were going to get into in the in our future podcast and yeah. talking about the digital convenience and tying all of not only letting people know that it's easier to do now than ever, which is build side hustles. And, you know, you don't necessarily have to go do the labor of going and doing garage sales, 
going out and doing, let's say, car washes for people, although that's available. Mm -hmm. That's something that you can go out and still do if you're not the type of person that likes being on your computer or phone or anything. But in a sense that personally, I hated being on my phone for work. Like I, when I first started and I quit my job and really I, I only quit after a year and a half of trading and where I was consistently profitable. So we'll get to that point later. But the main reason for it is I hated being on my phone. I hated social media branding. Yeah. And Abdul was also was getting over that hump too. He's still kind of like yes. stepping stone over <laughs> it. And in reality, I've now just finally accepted it. Like, you know what? If I'm on my phone this long, it's because I have to build my brand. I got to put out content, not just a lot of content, but quality content. Mm -hmm. You know, things are going to hit people in the fields and help them understand our struggle and that their struggle is the same thing that everybody goes through. It may be a little different on a separate path, but essentially we're all going down the path for betterment of ourselves, for the, uh, you know, the, the, the betterment of our families, be able to support them and just build generational wealth. So uh, it's, it's interesting to tie all that back in with the digital convenience because there's many other ways to make money. And one of those ways, I actually helped a coworker on my way out of T-Mobile. And my last two months before I quit, she saw that I was trading and she's like, hey, you know, I'm interested. I want to get into it. And we have in all of our niches, I feel like we have these people who kind of ruin it for everybody. Right. They poison the well. And the way they do that is especially the FX guys, they, they're annoying. They comment on me. They comment on my page and they're like, hey, dude, um, do you want to buy Bitcoin? And I'm like, no, I'm already invested in crypto. But thank you. You know, like it's OK. Or, hey, do you want to turn 500 into $100,000 within three months. And it, for whatever reason, they, they, they spread out the amount of time. So it just keeps you thinking like, oh, okay, if they said five days, I wouldn't believe them. But they said three months, it must be real. Mm -hmm. So they're just getting smarter with the way they're pitching things to kind of get money out of people and scam them. Yeah. When essentially, you know, I, I was kind of brought into it by my barber who was like, you know, you have all these marketers out there who are just marketing and they get paid to bring people in. And he goes, hey, man, I just made $700 within three days. So like, I feel like in every niche, you're going to, you're going to see the people who are out trying to scam people. And in trading and Forex trading, especially you have the people that come out of companies like iMarkets Live, which is not necessarily a scam because you're, you're getting people to sign documents, obviously electronically and, and, you know, they're pretty much approving everything that the company is giving them, which is like a monthly payment of $160. So they could teach you how to trade. And they tell you that if you get two people within your first, I think it's like first month yeah. or something like that. First, month, first yeah. month, if you get two people in, that your monthly membership will be free. So the problem with that is I didn't grasp the whole idea of trading for like a good five months. Like I understood what I needed to do. I didn't understand how I needed to do it. I didn't realize that a lot of it was discipline, um, you know, being in tune with myself with my own psychology, recognizing when my ego is coming out when I'm trading, um, the greediness that comes with it, because all I'm not a greedy person at all. When it comes down to trading, you get greedy when you're making a little bit of money and you're like, you know what, I'll hold this a little longer because I want to make a little more. And opposed to looking at the chart and saying, hey, it's reaching a level of resistance, which is a ceiling or a, a, a level of support, which is the floor. And at that point, you know, it's advisable to take your trade out because if it's reaching a high level, uh, what we call key levels, mm -hmm. let's say on the weekly time frame, which is just a matter of the candles are spread out into weeks. So the higher the time frame, meaning the daily, the weekly, the monthly, the stronger the confirmation is that if let's say you were buying a particular uh, currency 
and it starts reaching that level of resistance, you want to take your profit out. Because at that point, it can reject really hard and come mm -hmm. back down and you could lose your trade or not make any money. And it's normally that greediness that keeps people throwing their money kind of into a fire. And so I was like, all right, here's this company who's bringing people in and they're telling them to get two other people. So now this one person who knows absolutely nothing about trading and it takes sometimes four years to grasp. Um, now the learning curves are sped up because there's so many resources out there, YouTube, there's courses that All you can buy. Courses, yep. And if you really do your, your research like in anything else with the right mentors, you're going to get the, the proper information that you need to help you succeed. And then besides that, there it's it's kind of like the post we did yesterday with all the ladders. Yeah. Right. All the ladders were spread out on the floor. The guy only needed one to get over the wall. And so what happens is people start jumping from one course to another mentor to another mentor waiting for that leap. Right. Yeah. That huge leap. That one person who's going to give them the secret sauce. The eureka moment. The, yeah. The eureka <laughs> moment. So it's like, no, the eureka moment is diving into your computer with this 42 inch I have right here <laughs> every single day, splitting all four screens up and just diving right into it and staying on there for 20 hours out of the day to understand how the market moves. So there's so much that went into it that I was realizing, okay, so this one person is going to bring two other people in. He's going to tell those two other people to get two other people and so on and so forth. So by the time six months have rolled around, you have maybe 20 plus rookies, yeah. beginners who know absolutely nothing about trading, but are teaching each other about trading. Because the focus is ultimately just to gain more people. It's not about the actual technique, the psychology behind it. It's just the scheme of, hey, grab as much people as you can. It's a top-down process, pyramid scheme. Exactly. Typical pyramid yeah. scheme. Yeah. So it's just like, hey, get as much as, as much as possible, and that's it. And that's it. And like, <laughs> you can find the videos they have on there, you can find on YouTube at a much better quality from somebody else. So it's like- For one, free. For free. That's the thing, for free. <laughs> and here you are paying $160 a month. So- that alone creates a kind of a desperation. People who have no business doing it, or not that they have no business, but they don't have the discipline, they don't have the mental fortitude to take on something, are seeing it at, are being pitched this idea in reality yeah. as, hey, this is how you can make money quick. And that's what we're really trying to drag it away yeah, from because it's, yeah. it's, yeah, eliminate that because it's, it's nowhere near that. You have to put so much time into not just your craft, but yourself so you know how to react to these different things. So the one thing I wanted to talk about also, your marketing company, how, how, how is it working there? Yeah, so like my full-time job or on the side? The full-time job, actually. So, I mean, I can't complain. As far as full-time jobs go, it's, it's good, you know. Um, I just don't think I'd ever be satisfied. Only ever working for someone else is what it boils down to. It doesn't matter how many hours I put into there. I'm ready to get home and get to work on my thing, you know. But uh, yeah, I mean, I can't complain about anything there. So the main focus there is email marketing, which I mean, I don't know if right out of college, I would have been fully prepared to work for myself. I, I thought I was at the time. And, you know, I ended up just going ahead and taking a full time job just to get into the marketing industry and learn. And um it's been really beneficial getting a feel for things like I've become so analytical from getting experience there and just learning how the real world works without like putting myself on the line as much has been really valuable. So, I mean, I can't complain about the few years I've had there. So I think it's really helped in um, helping me figure out what I want to do for myself. And I mean, that's at the point 
or I'm at that point now. So it's time to get going. All right. So on the topic of, you know, uh, job security and, and, and the, the, the failure that comes with losing a job or being fired from a job, whatever the case may be, like, I know I've had my fair share of struggles too. like a little backstory on me. Um, I was doing retail at Old Navy for like quite some time. I, mm. I want to say from uh, my college, my college. I remember those days. I want to say 2012. Yeah. <laughs> college days, beginning of co- uh, college all the way through up until 2017 when I left and went to NBC. But in that time, bro, I tell you, man, it was tough. And from that point on, I was trying to find my way out. Finally did get oh, to uh, work in like what would be considered my dream job. I'm working with a big name uh, television, NBC, uh, but the local station here in Miami, NBC6. And I'm there and I noticed the feeling is still there. Like <laughs> I'm, I'm in a position now where I'm, I'm, I got a big name behind me. I feel great. I feel confident about myself. And yet I don't feel fulfilled. Like I still feel like there's something missing. There's some void. And it was temporary. It was a year contract thing. I got done with that. And I went on to, you know, pick up another job. And I was like, Abdul, are you going to keep falling in the cycle of working for other people? Or are you just going to do what you say you've been trying to do for the long run and go and start your own business? And I tell you what, man, I was in my little rut for a little bit. And then I saw my boy graduate from college. And it was just like all these different things were coming into play where it was like new chapters uh, uh, that was starting for each and every one of us in our circle. And I was just like, you know, maybe this is my time to really like take that leap of faith. So I want to say to you just basically, um, how has that like resonated with you in the sense of that lack of fulfillment is that part of your drive is that something that helps you keep going despite you having your full-time job and you working and feeling you know comfortable with your full-time job and still having the time the balance to still work on whatever it is that you want to work on you know personally for your own business does that kind of uh tie in together and by simply reselling items it's crazy but you can like turn that into a means like of escape and uh, get out of your current situation. You know, I don't know if that's going to be like the thing I'm most focused on long term. I mean, I have a lot of other bigger goals, but of course, it's at least like one of those great stepping stones. Like I mentioned, I mean, you can like you can set up an account on eBay or Amazon source for items, do your research, see how much they're selling for on each given site sell them in or send them in, excuse me, and start making cash like almost right away, you know, within weeks. And I mean, I think knowing that and there are a bunch of situations like, you know, whether it be reselling items or finding different online jobs, there's always ways to get out of your current situation if that's what you want to do. And I think a lot of people just get stuck. And, um, you know, that's pretty pretty sad really but um you just have to open up your mindset and be willing to work outside your 40 to you know make something better yeah right you're right and and something that you know you a great point you just brought up is you know some people just want to go after it and and if they really want it they'll go do something about it and it's sad but some people just choose not to because Mm -hmm. they get stuck and the point of getting stuck is really their own confidence or lack of not, I mean, some people may not even be scared to fail because they're like, Hey, I'm, you know, my back's against the wall. If I fail, I fail. But getting started on that first thing on that first step, I feel like is the hardest because 
being from Miami, we're raised in the, on the inner city part, right? Where if anybody else comes into Miami, they visit the city, they go to South Beach, they go to downtown Miami. You've got these huge, beautiful buildings. The clubs are top notch. The restaurants are almost all five star. They're all waterfront, really. And I can tell you that out of all the waterfront spots, there's maybe two that are actually good. <laughs> but, yeah. you know, anybody just throws it out there. But people just want to be waterfront. You know, they mm -hmm. want to take the pictures. They want to take the selfies. And I, and I feel like that's why we're so heavy on breaking the social media cloud because we see it in Miami more than and more than ever, yeah. more than anywhere else that I've really been to. And, you know, I said a, a funny line the other day where it was like, well, I, I thought it was funny that if Instagram were to be born in a certain place, if it had a birthplace, it would be Miami. Yeah. And because you have you have Lambos, Ferraris rolling around the streets. I told you 18 year olds driving Maseratis. I graduated from the University of Miami, which was my, you know, I saw Ray Lewis playing growing up, Ed Reed. And seeing these guys completely just kill it at the U and make it to the NFL, become Hall of Famers, a lot of other greats that came out of there. Um, you know, I wanted to go to UM because it was the Miami thing to do. And that's what I loved. When I get to the University of Miami, I realized the tuition was so high. I was, you know, I was blessed that my mom worked there for 20 years. She actually got in as a temp position. Mm -hmm. She got in, you know, as a temp position for somebody who uh, was pregnant. Mm -hmm. And the, the lady ended up coming back, but she was given another uh, promotion, I believe. So my mom ended up keeping it. Oh. And because of that, all I had to do was obviously have the good grades, SAT scores, apply. And if I got in, then my tuition would be paid. So here's this, you know, kid from Miami going in with his... Integra, you know, I don't know if you remember the Acura Integra, right? I called it the Teggy. <laughs> I called it the Teggy. So I was like, you know what? Uh, I'm pulling in and I see these kids gold completely. I thought it was a gold wrap and it was actually completely real gold yeah. Maserati. And the kid was 18 years old from Kuwait. And I talked to him and, you know, his dad bought him that because he said he thought that the rest of the kids in Miami were rolling in cars like that. <laughs> and so so that he wanted to make sure he he didn't he he fit in yeah. with the rest of the people he didn't stand out. and wasn't and yeah and didn't stand out like kind of like a prideful thing right yeah. and i'm here with my car like wow you know these kids are you know that's i i hope that at 40 years old yeah. i'm driving that car at 50 i'll drive it at 70 years old i'll be happy right mm. but not because it's it's that maserati or it's gold plate or anything but because i feel like those kids already had it made i'm like why are they even in school mm -hmm. so it gave me a different perception and I had everybody else around me trying to fit that same persona where even if they weren't making that kind of money, they wanted to make it look like they're making that kind of money. So showing people that it's about what you want to do and not caring what other people do, that is really going to help you take that mental step to want to do something about your life. Because like you said, you know, you wouldn't have even gotten started with Amazon if you weren't always somebody who was driven and wanted to find a way to make money. And that's something a lot of people aren't driven to begin with. They just want the money. Yeah. So it's about separating, you know, the facts from the alternative facts. Like, okay, <laughs> you know, you the alternative fact is that you want to get this done and you're making excuses as to why you can't. And then the facts are, this is your position. This is how much time you have in the day. Mm -hmm. These are the resources you can use. And then the question is, are you using these things properly? Are you choosing to do the bad habits, right? Because we talked about, Life is about habits. And if you choose your habits, you choose your life, you're choosing your life. Yeah. If you choose the habits that, you know, that, that you decide to do, you're choosing your life mm -hmm. because your life is going to be based upon those habits, whether they're good or bad.
Yeah, it's and it's funny when we came up with that, it was like almost like, oh man, like that that was yesterday yeah, too. Yeah, that was yesterday. We were just having a regular <laughs> talk, man. We're just talking about, you know, episode three, because we're still working on it, you know, getting it ready. And it just came across us as far as the type of people we deal with every day and how we want to convey our message to those same people who might not be so acceptant or, or receptive to our message, right? So exactly. and when it and then we realize that, you know, after all this is said and done, life is just really about the habits you choose. You you live out those habits. You ch- it's like the bricks in the road that you want to pay for yourself. And ultimately, if you don't choose the right habits, you won't have the best living experience. You'll find yourself either depressed or, you know, just not up to living in some cases. Yeah. It's it's a whole spiel into that whole mental health game where, you know, people are now looking at it as, a, as something serious. And it all, it if, if, if we're not psychologists, right? And we're just normal guys. We're just actually being open in our, mind, in, in our minds and thinking a bit differently than other people in a sense. But it's just like, if you were to just realize that simple fact that it's based on your habits, then a lot of the mental health issues would probably be solved. Like, that's me just going out on a hunch. Of course, the ones that aren't, like, passed down. Yeah, the generational generational, stuff. Yeah, Yeah, but I'm talking about the middle school stuff. Like, the 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 surface. Yeah, the surface level stuff. Like, a lot of that will be, you know, kind of cleared up in a sense because people will feel a bit more confident in understanding why their life is a certain way. And and just right before, because I want to tie that right back into what you said um, in terms of everything. And also, you mentioning, you know, some people get, get to the point of depression where they may not want to live when in reality... There are people suffering from real depression. There's mm. people who I feel put themselves into that depressive mode. Mm. And it's not necessarily they're putting themselves into depression, but they, they're filling their mind with so many so much negativity that it can lead them down that path yeah. to eventual... Without them even realizing Depression, yeah. exactly. And so I feel like if people were to understand that it's not about the short game, but the long game in the sense that even if you're playing for the long game and choosing your habits and doing these things, working every day, you know, your 40 hour work, we come back home, start building your brand and working for something, you know, you do that for even the people who may not understand that. Think of it as if we were to die today, right? What would be, what would we be remembered as? And if people were to think of it that way, not necessarily think that, Hey, everybody lives until they're 80, a hundred, whatever the case mm-hmm. is, that's what we would want to get to. But you have to understand that the reality of it is, you know, the YOLO should be used for a good route. Like yeah. <laughs> not, not like you only live once, go out and, 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 you know, do a bunch of toxic things that yeah. are not good for your health, that yeah. are not good for your environment, that is just going to throw you deeper into that hole. It should be a reality check. It should be a reality check. Like YOLO, you only live yeah. once, get all the right things done. Yeah. That goes back to social media. Hey, are you going to use it for entertainment or are you going to use it for self-betterment? Mm-hmm. To learn new skills on YouTube, you know, listen to podcasts instead of music. Mm-hmm. These are all small choices that we're making that changes the way we think, that changes the way we interact with each other and the people we attract. Because obviously, having this interview with you today is confirmation for people, for the audience to see that we're not the only ones thinking like this. You're not the only one thinking like this. And not only that, but we're thinking in the same way and having these interactions and, and communicating with each other about the struggle about the grind, how we're trying to make it out. And we're trying to build these different things so that people understand it's okay for them to join in on the conversation, join in on and ask us a lot of questions on our Instagram, Twitter, you know, we're always asking, Hey, you know, comment. And I see you on your post too. You want people to interact and, you know, 
a lot of people I feel like are scared to interact. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they, they're scared to, to put their word out there and be judged for what they're saying. That's exactly what it is. It's the judgment, that fear of being judged, that fear of say, having somebody point their finger at you and say, oh, you're saying this, blah, blah, blah. I don't agree with you because of this. Mm. Or, you know what, you shouldn't say that just because you sound ridiculous or stupid or whatever the case may be. So you start filtering. Yeah, you start filtering. <laughs> you, you build up those, mind, uh, those mental barriers that doesn't allow you to truly be you and speak on the things that you feel are, are either wrong or right or what you truly be, believe in. It just it limits that factor. And I guess that ties back into the whole vulnerability piece, yeah. right? So it's, it's, a, it's a learning process, I'll tell you that. Yeah, definitely, man. <laughs> definitely. Yeah. So, and it's really cool. Us three have already figured out that mindset at, you know, really at a young age. I mean, we have so much life to live. Like, man, it, it'd be a bummer if I figured out some of the things I want to accomplish at like 50. And it's like, man, yeah. well, I wish I figured out what I wanted to do, you know, 24 years ago. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's funny you mentioned like people are scared to comment things on, on social media. But it's funny if you ever do like, and I know you guys do them, like the polls and questions on Instagram stories. Mm. Now people interact a lot with that. So it's not that they don't have opinions or they don't want to share them, but like they don't want to, I don't know, use their own voice to do it. And they're scared to like really put themselves out there, you know? Yeah. So like they have their opinions, but you know, take another step and write your own comment. I mean, that's that's putting yourself out there too much. And yeah, people, people get nervous about that kind of thing. They would rather like and send a heart you yes, know, yes. <laughs> towards somebody else's comment. And then if you reply to that person, then they're like freezing. Up. Yeah. <laughs> they're like, Oh my God, they replied. Like, what should I say now? <laughs> I think it's just a techno uh, technological error that we're in, man. It's like a, it's like a curse, bro. In a sense, it's a beneficial thing, but it creates this veil of, I just want to be, you know, behind the keyboard and that's yes. it i don't want to i don't want to be involved i don't <laughs> want anybody to call me out yeah you know? and, and it's like yeah i can hit a yes or a no yes or a no but it's like you said then that's a key thing it's they're afraid to use their own voices to say something right so a lot of people won't send voice notes personally i wasn't somebody that sent voice notes up until about three weeks ago yeah and then i got abdul it right <laughs> three weeks ago like really i or even showing my face in front of a camera the podcast has been the first time i was doing that yeah. And our first episode took us 30 days Yo, to record what? and edit. Just because we couldn't be our natural selves in front of the camera, we felt we had to filter what we were saying, be a different type of person or whatever, feel likable, right? Yeah. But we were setting standards for ourselves that weren't necessarily really dared to get go, like from the get go. Yeah. So it was just weird, man. It, <laughs> getting comfortable. You catch yourself of, doing yeah. that and you're like, yeah. wait, what am I doing? I just, <laughs> just be myself. And, you know, at one point we're like, let's turn on the camera and just talk. talk. Just how we're doing right now. It's like, hey, let's just talk and make yeah. it happen. I could jump into a few things off of that. Let us hear it. I was thinking about making a podcast like, you know, throughout the summer and in, in recent months. And so I actually met with somebody locally who has a pretty good sized podcast. And I was trying to get like some feedback out of him and learn, you know, what microphone should I use? What hosting platform, all these little details. He's like, dude, just start it, get a mic if you want, or don't just plug it in and start recording it. The first handful are going to suck, but that's okay. Just start going. So that's what I did. I, um, I recorded that next week. I had like three podcasts recorded within a week. I'm like, all right, yeah. So if I'm gonna suck at the beginning, I better knock them out quick so I can start actually getting good. And uh, 
so yeah, it's been really cool to get into. Um, yeah, it's funny you mentioned like being a little camera shy and stuff. So I think up until probably five or six months ago, I would have been the same way, but it's weird how the timing works. So I actually took part and acted in this movie over the summer. Oh, I saw that on your page, actually. Yeah, so I actually just interviewed, like, the maker and director, everything, on the last podcast. So, man, after having a camera in my face for hours, it was weird how that worked out. And it was like, you know, now for the podcast, I'm used to it at this point, so. What movie is it? So it's called Devolution. It's going to come out this winter. Um, It's a sci-fi Hank's going to hate that I relate it to this, but have you seen like Shark Sharknado? Oh! <laughs> but hold on, that movie made a lot of money that though. not that bad though. Yeah, man. So, so my buddy Hank, who made the movie, he would tell you that that's like too cheesy, you know, and they like went, went a little too far. But still, like people know the name. I usually throw that out there. It's, it's similar humor. It's like a sci-fi um, with a little comedy mixed in. So That's awesome, man. And so the audience knows too, it's called Devolution, right? Yep. When does it come out? So hopefully either December or January. Okay. December, January. That's yeah, awesome. Look out for it. Yeah, it's crazy. Like, um, my buddy's telling me how like a few distribution people have been calling him trying to figure out ways to put it out. And I don't know, you never know what could happen, but apparently the trailer's gotten some pretty good feedback. It's, uh. It came out just a month ago if anybody wants to check it out devolution trailer so. i was just about to ask you like hey dude is it still is it oh yeah. i'm gonna watch, watch it so the the crazy thing about that is that led you right into your podcasting because you were put in front of that camera in that situation did you apply to be an actor or how did you come about that role <laughs> not at all so so yeah my friend hank he's always been into like creative story writing i met him in college and He'd always kind of talked about making a movie. All of a sudden, one day, I just see on Facebook that he threw out this little teaser trailer for this movie that he hadn't even like really started casting for it yet or anything. But he made like um, some social media accounts around this film's brand. And um, so I see that I'm like, yo, (laughs) let me do this. It's always been a cool idea just to get in a movie. You know, it's not like I've gone out to be an actor but why not you know and especially you had that connection you're like mm-hmm. but see that's a lot of people struggle even to do that like hey my friend's making a movie do you need people to cast in it yeah. even if it's free join in you never know where that's gonna lead you yeah man yeah so it was a cool experience and i mean at the time i didn't even plan on having a podcast anytime soon but it prepped me for that a little bit um getting used to the camera forgetting it's there <laughs> yeah a fly on the wall <laughs> Yeah, for sure. That's awesome, man. But yeah, I think I think we've covered everything else for the uh, for the podcast, right? Or for the most part, yeah. Is there anything else you would like to touch yeah, anything on? Anything that you want to add? Anything that you think um something that hasn't been mentioned that you really want to say or um what what your driving message is for your podcast essentially? Yeah, so I can get into that a little bit. So I mean, it's really similar to you guys. Like I find myself being able to relate more to people that are in a similar journey as me or maybe one or two steps ahead. So I can get a little foreshadowing of like what I could anticipate happening in the near future. And it was interesting, like 
I like to hear all the people's stories that are in similar situations, but I mean, I'm a podcast junkie, but all the ones I hear are of people like 10, 20 years ahead that are millionaires that it's cool. And I learn a lot from them, but it's hard to relate. And I feel like when they look back on their journeys, they only remember like bits and pieces and they're trying to refresh their memories about little stuff in the early stages. Plus the world's changed so much in the last 10, 20 years, you know, it's a lot different starting then than it is now. Mm -hmm. So I think it's important to have people to relate to. And that's all I'm trying to trying to bring to the table. Because I like I mentioned, haven't really done too much yet. But you know, meeting people like you guys and uh, others that are in similar situations. And then I think it'll be really cool to see all the documentation of us growing like, you know, six months, a year, two years from now, it's just that relatability. And I think that's motivating for people to see other people are in similar spots. And by bringing in guests, and for me talking, I hope to just bring a lot of good information, bring some relatability, and hopefully that motivates people and keeps them going. I was that's that's, that's that, awesome, man. Not to cut you off. Yeah. I was um before I actually came here today, and I was like, you know, just thinking about my day and what I was gonna do and stuff like that. And the 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 podcast just came to my mind. It was just like, man, like we we we. I'm like thinking about the progression, right? Like how it started from an idea, and it was just in a, <laughs> this up in the air conversation, right? And we're just sitting there hearing, hearing each other out and. To where it is now, we already have, you know, our our episodes lined up in a sense. We're putting out content. We're now incorporating other people's opinions, not just our own. And I was saying that same exact thing, you know, we're we're our own guinea pigs. That's like our selling like core, right? Like we're our own guinea pigs in this whole journey, right? To help people understand and make them more relatable to us. And, you know, and I was just saying, man, like, wow, our audience is still listening to us even though we don't have all the answers why because we are relatable in a sense right they can they can see the average joe in us and say well these guys are still kicking forward they're still trying their best to put out a message of some sort that is beneficial to the people it's not for you know likes or you know views or whatever we're not selling a mixtape right? yeah we're not we're not trying to sell a mixtape you know because now here you get everybody try to sell you a mixtape hey listen yeah. to my new mixtape <laughs> i'm dope, over bro. here like hey listen to my podcast it's bro. so fire <laughs> <laughs> but no man we're really just trying to give people knowledge man the best that we can um based on our own life experiences and our entrepreneurial journey and i feel like like the fact that people just want to be able to relate to others and just hear that they're not alone in some of the problems that they're going through that understanding plus the uh the the, rela- the relatable aspect i think that pairing alone is what is why a lot of people like us today are even flourishing in this in this type of entrepreneurial path that being the podcast style delivery and you know just having a channel for the voiceless mm-hmm. if that makes sense because it's yeah. just it's 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 crazy, bro. Like I literally, and not to you know give too much information, but that little that idea literally came to me in the shower. Like, damn, like mm-hmm. these people are still listening to us, and I, I thank you guys, like the followers who are who are tuning into this right now, and listeners who are listening to our podcast for both our channels, Brad Dog and you know Bullish Entrepreneur. Like, thank you all, like because we are really out here trying to just do our best and. You know, you can see our journey for what it is. And, and none of us are public speakers. No. Right? That, that's something that you have to understand, too, because I remember 
you know, I was like, wow, Ed Milet articulates himself so well. You know, I want to get to that level. And I didn't know he, he did public speaking. I just knew him from his podcast. Mm-hmm. So then I see him doing these public speakings and he's like yelling at the top of his lungs and going in. And I'm like, I don't know if I could ever be that yeah. kind of person. <laughs> do I have to do I have to get to that point of public speaking first before I create a podcast? Yeah, so the message you know, can get across. So the message does do I have to have a certain amount of followers before my voice can be heard? Yo, what? <laughs> do I have to have people <laughs> listening to me before my voice can be heard, right? And when you realize like I you know, something we mentioned actually on episode three, which is gonna come out was my phone, I, I would just put it up on the, on the AC because it had like the little wall mount and I would just talk right into my phone, but I kept it to myself. I wouldn't show it to anybody. I wouldn't show it to my girlfriend, to my family, anybody. I would just play it to myself whenever I felt at my lowest points and it was a podcast essentially. What I was trying to do is it was more like a recap. How have these past six months been for me? Or if I really went through something tough, that was tough, you know, I, I talk about the situation to myself and it just started with talking to the camera and then I related it to okay, you know what? I don't care if nobody, if nobody else wants to hear my voice. Yeah. I want to hear my voice. Mm-hmm. I'm okay with understanding that not just I want to hear my voice, but I need to hear myself saying what's bothering me. Yeah. I need to hear myself say how I'm going to get out of it. I need to hear myself say what I'm going to do. What are the next steps I'm going to take to make sure I can level my life up to the next level, mm-hmm. right? And in order for you to do that, it takes talking to yourself if you don't have anybody to build around you. Mm-hmm. Abdul was somebody that also struggled with vulnerability. Yeah. And I kind of had to like pull it out. Yeah. Just like fish that out of him. Right. Like, and, and just by like, I'm like, all right, how vulnerable is he going to get? And I'll just be talking to him. And this is so people actually know how real they can get. And, you know, I, I would tell Abdul, you know, I'm trying to get more out of him. I'll ask him questions, probing questions just to kind of get him to, to talk. And so I realized, you know what? Let me share some of my own vulnerabilities. And so I would just start sharing like, some of the deepest things that he has never heard just to kind of get that reaction. Like, wow, you know, I didn't, I didn't know that happened to you. Yeah. You know what, man, I'm going to tell you what happened to me. And in episode three, we highlight that with our previous guest, Jalen, where he noticed in the, in, in, during the podcast, Oh wow. They're sharing something that's deep. You know what? I'm going to share my own piece too. Yeah. You know, with, with you, Brad, you know, it, it's all about consent to vulnerability. You give as much as people allow you to give until you learn that you just have to give and not expect anything in return, not worry about the judgments of anybody. And we're sharing our stories. So I feel like we're going to reach a lot of uh, people with this podcast. Our conversation today has been amazing. And, you know, you brought out that vulnerability in us and we were able to, you know, get that out of you as well and share it so people can understand that, hey, it's okay to comment and and reply back to us and give us their, their feedback or share their stories mm-hmm. with us if they want. Because a lot of times it's better just to get it out there and mention it to, to get the weight off your shoulders and understand that other people have gone through either the same, the worst, or you can kind of help them into when they experience the worst, how to react to it. Mm-hmm. I'll just give like one final message, I guess. So going back to what you're saying a little bit about how like Ed Milet was such a or is such a great public speaker, and you thought you needed to be like that before you started. And I've always had a similar mindset, or, you know, I used to about a lot of things where I need to have this certain skill level before to start. But that's so backwards, because to get to that level, you have to start first. You know, it's like the stepping stones thing. To build public speaking like that, you need to start speaking. You're not going to get that before you start. So I just encourage people to start something, you know, it doesn't even matter what it is, really, you'll start learning and you never know what can happen out of it.
Yeah. That, that's a great way to end it, actually. Definitely man. Start, was... <laughs> start, but also keep it like going. The sustainability factor. Like, and being consistent. Yeah, have that consistency that ties into your discipline, the people you surround yourself with, all of what we've been pretty much talking about, man. Yeah. But that was great. Appreciate yeah. that, Brad, for real. Thanks for having me. Uh, it was fun. Yeah, definitely, definitely, man. Definitely. No, and, and we appreciate your time because working a 40-hour work week to get on, film this podcast with us, you know, it, it takes a lot. A lot of people normally would hit the hay, knock out for a few, or be on Netflix watching some shows. So we appreciate you taking the time out. Obviously, we're, we're on the same path. We're working towards our goals. And let's keep journaling and making it great. Yeah, for sure. I'll be following you guys. So, And I know you'll be following me. I love it. Likewise, yes. man. <laughs> Always, man. Always. We look forward to the future interviews, too. Yeah, sounds great. Let's do it. Awesome, brother. Hope you have a great day, man. Thanks, you too. Right, take take care, care, brother. Man. Peace.